So we have Florian Hartfelder on the podcast today, and he is a recent new Zendrop team member, but also former multiple seven-figure dropshipper himself. Hi, Florian. Thank you for coming on. Thanks for having me. Um, so I want to start by just, how about you give our listeners a little bit of background on who you are, how you got to where you are today, and just kind of the whole elevator pitch of what you've been doing with your career. Sure. So, um, did, you know, the typical route, uh, try to get good grades, went to college, studied accounting and finance and, About halfway through, I realized that I was just learning a bunch of theory and nothing that I was learning would really make me money. It was essentially to kind of make other people money. And the whole reason why I got a degree in both accounting and finance was because I wanted to learn how money worked so that I could make more money for myself. But uh, like I said, all I was learning was how to work for other people. And I want to say my junior year, I started initially day trading stocks, penny stocks, uh, returned 131% my first year and then got ran an ad by Alex Becker. I'm sure most people listening to this know who that is, but, uh, yeah, anyway, got started in Shopify drop shipping, thought it would be a part-time gig, but realized that just like any business, it's going to take time and effort and, uh, building a, a functional team. So at first it was brutal. Uh, lost my entire net worth all the way down to $17 and 34 cents. And I had one product that was kind of winning. Some days it was profitable. Some days it wasn't, it was really wishy-washy and, uh, pretty much just paused on my ads, hit my second or third reboot and learned some more Facebook strategies and took out, uh, probably the biggest gamble of my life was a new method on Facebook ads that I'd never tried before. And the starting budget was $500 a day. So thank God for credit cards. Um, And I I pushed myself basically into debt, but the strategy worked. And within, I think, uh, I want to say three months, I was uh, pulling off the uh, dealership lot with a brand new i8. So, uh, you know, I've been through it. I, I I know that it's tough, but I also know that if you actually treat it like a business, dropshipping is not dead. Um, it's definitely still a viable way to make a full-time income. So. so that's a really fascinating story from start to finish. The fact that you started off with uh, the intention of pursuing a degree in finance and then ended up you know, being your own boss of the career of your dreams. It's kind of a cool trajectory. But when did you discover dropshipping, so to speak, and what made you decide to just kind of try it out and go for it? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, I opened up my LLC in February of 2018, but I didn't start really running ads until October. Uh, the reason being, I spent most of that time watching videos on YouTube, exploring Google articles, things like that. Um, but yeah, like I said, I had got presented with an advertisement to Alex Becker's dropshipping course. And, uh, after I bought it, I actually refunded my money the next day because I realized that all of the content that I needed, at least in his course was available for free on YouTube. So, um, there's really, there's really zero barrier to entry. There's no reason that you shouldn't be getting started. Um, 
but yeah, from, from about October through early January, February of the following year, like I said, I was just losing money. Um, and at the end of the day, your success comes down to really two things. One, and most importantly is knowledge and two is, uh, your drive and, and your mindset and your ability to make things happen, even when everything looks like it's not going to work out. So let's talk about courses for a second. We've, I've joked several times on this podcast that I feel like every single e-commerce or, you know, expert or online marketer has some type of course to market, right? Um, what are your opinions on them? Obviously you became incredibly successful without one. Um, but is there a place where paid courses make sense or, you know, what would be mm -hmm. your strategy in terms of going about learning for a newbie? Yeah. So here's a really, really good way to, um, figure out 90% of whether the course is worth getting look at the timeline and look at, cause most of these guys have like supercars and stuff like that. Right. So the, the one question that you need to ask yourself and find the answer to is, did they get their supercar before they made the course or after they made the course? And a lot of times you'll find that they end up getting these cars after they made the course, because what happens is they made a little bit of sales on Shopify and they only show you the revenue. They don't show you. I mean, they could have lost 10, 20, $30,000 in profit, but maybe it says hundred K on the Shopify dashboard for revenue. Well, now that they have 100K, that's a lot of money to a lot of people. I remember when I first got started, $100 a day was like, and then a thousand, I literally never thought I would hit a thousand dollars a day. I thought it was just like a unicorn. That's not for me. There's no way I'd hit that. Um, so anyway, you know, a lot of these guys will get numbers that to most people who are working, you know, typical nine to five, um, maybe like me, my only experience had been. Uh, pizza places, sandwich shops. I worked in American Eagle for a little bit, uh, you know, really low income. When you're talking about a thousand dollars a day, that's a lot of money. Well, what will happen is a lot of times these guys will drop ship and it looks on the surface like they're making good money. And so what they'll do is they'll create a course because they can't actually really make it work. So then they'll make a course and then that's how they make their income. So that's why I said, you got to ask the question and find the answer to when did they get the car? Because a lot of times they'll find they got it after the course, which means that they made their money mostly from the course and not from actually doing it, which is really important, right? Because you want to learn from someone who got that car from the business model that they're teaching, if that makes sense. Totally agree. Now, you know, follow-up question for this, obviously you learned and became incredibly successful in dropshipping on your own resources. You just, you found the, your resources that you needed and started making money. Why do you think all of these e-commerce experts or internet marketers are missing the mark with their dropshipping stores? You know, what is it that they're missing that people like you have figured out? Honestly, it just comes down to what I'd kind of mentioned earlier in the sense of most of these people, uh, selling courses. And I mean, I was even guilty of it too. Like I bought a course and I was sold a pipe dream, right? Uh, I was told that it was part-time work and it's super easy. Like there's no money up front. You don't have to pay for inventory, things like that, but they don't really tell you, 
that if you want it to last and if you want it to get to the numbers that you're essentially kind of being promised, but legally speaking, not promised, um, you have to actually treat it like a business. And for me, I mean, even a few weeks ago, I put in a 36 hour workday and then a 38 hour workday in the same week. So if you're not willing to treat it like a real business and actually put your blood, sweat and tears into it, it's going to evaporate. Um, and, and that's just a fact, like with the nature of drop shipping, it's, it's fantastic and it still works and it's a great way to get started. But if you run the drop shipping business model and that's your whole plan and you don't plan on improving your customer experience or ordering inventory so that you can ship um, higher quality products to your customers that are branded with faster shipping times and improve the customer series and actually make a brand that people want to buy from again, it's going to be very short lived. And unfortunately, I'm sure you've seen that over and over again, where, you know, dropshipper scales store up and then all their payments get held or Facebook shuts them down because they're running a, uh, objectively speaking, uh, you know, unethical business. And so if your Facebook feedback score is a 0.7 out of five, Facebook's not going to let you run ads on their platform. It's just that simple. So the thing that separates the two, uh, I would say, are like the people that are sold that pipe dream and believe it and don't wake up and realize that if you really want to make this work, you have to treat it as business. And the ones that are actually doing it are usually in the shadows. You don't even know their name. You don't know who they are because that's how they're actually making their money. And so, um, you know, I know, I know some guys that are doing $200,000 a day and they don't have a course. No one knows who they are. It's because they're making a ton of money actually drop shipping. And so they have no real incentive to be spending their time, uh, you know, creating courses instead of growing their business, if that makes sense. So let's talk about this Facebook ad strategy that transformed your business. The one that costs $500 a day in ads. Do you want to talk about this a little bit? Explain to me how you found out about this and the whole thought process that went into changing your ad strategy. Mm -hmm. So, uh, again, it just came down to a relentless pursuit of knowledge. Uh, at the time, my best friend had got a paid course from someone who was actually doing significant volume. And that's where the strategy came from. It sounds, it's so, it's so crazy because the, the strategy just went against everything that I knew about Facebook advertising or that I thought I knew about Facebook advertising. Um, and basically it was just go as general and broad as you possibly can. And for the entire lifetime of my advertising, I'd always left the expanded interest box unchecked. And this strategy said, check that box and don't put any interest or lookalike audiences, which was completely, completely different than everything that I'd ever been told or learned um, or, or seen on Facebook's website or, uh, forums and groups and whatever this guy. And I mean, this guy was pushing volume. So I'm like, look, I, I, I decided, I decided, I said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to try and I'm going to make this work no matter what, even if I have to go into debt, I trust myself and I know that I'm going to make this work no matter what. So, uh, he, it's obviously working for him and I've got a product with enough pixel data where, if it's going to work, it should work. And it did. Um, and I mean, <laughs> like I said, if you can get a, if you get an ad set running, starting at $500 a day, that's profitable. 
um, you can scale the shit out of that, especially since it's such a general, um, broad targeting. So with that strategy, I've had, uh, ad sets that had over $20,000 a day budget. So, um, that's not something that you can do with your traditional interest-based targeting or look like audiences because it's super defined. And while you can get a good return on those, they're not scalable um, to, to the, those big numbers, if that makes sense. Why aren't they scalable to those numbers? It's just how the platform works. It's a auction platform. So what'll happen is you have with a lookalike audience, you know, based on your targeting, you have a very defined uh, group of people, let's say 5 million. Well, 5 million people is a lot, but when you're talking about bidding on that 5 million people versus the billions that are available on Facebook, you are bidding against major corporations, Amazon, Nike, Apple, other drop shippers um, that are maybe testing the same product and have the exact same audience you do and have a bigger budget and are willing to outbid you nine times out of 10. So um, the reason why those aren't scalable is because as you increase your budget, if you're on automatic bidding, Facebook's gonna automatically increase your bid as well, which means your costs are just gonna rise. But if you have general targeting and a really large audience Facebook can put you in a ton of bids and auctions that um, people who have very refined and specific audiences, one, aren't entering in, or two, it's a time thing, right? So they might be bidding for that particular person, but at a different time. And since you have so many options now, Facebook can give you better results. Were there any other strategies in addition to Facebook advertising that really you put credit towards in terms of your growth? Yes. Um, there is absolutely no way that, uh, and even when I started, there's no way that you can run profitable front end traffic on Facebook alone. Um, at the very least you need a Google smart shopping retargeting campaign. Um, Another one that's extremely profitable on Google is a brand search name where you literally just create a search campaign on Google and you only display the ad to people that search for your name. And the reason why it's so profitable is because not a lot of people are searching for that. And so um, you're pretty much the only ones can be bidding on it. And the beautiful thing is people don't realize that you're an online store. A lot of your customers have never seen your store before. They don't trust you. And so what they'll do literally is go to Google and type in is XYZ legit or something along the lines. And if you even add, and that's the first thing that pops up, that's gonna build a lot of trust and it makes you more of an authority and established established brand and reputation. So what'll actually happen is they'll, instead of clicking on these other sites, they'll click on your ad and then actually buy the product. So, I mean, I've seen crazy return on ad spends from like 30 to 50 on those. Now it's not that scalable because you're limited on um, search traffic on Google, which is the downside of Google. but extremely profitable and it captures a lot of those sales that you would have missed otherwise. So um, when you factor all those together, you can actually now run profitable Facebook traffic because you're capturing all of the lost sales. Um, and, And when you actually do that and you put in systems to capture lost sales, 
then you can run profitable front end Facebook traffic. But if all you're doing is running ads and you're not trying to retarget them or capture any lost sales, it's going to be really hard, really hard to run uh, profitable Facebook ads. That being said, the other form of advertising, which arguably you could call advertising, is email and SMS retargeting. So anytime someone uh, initiates checkout or adds a product to their cart to send them a text message chain or uh, and or uh, email chain as well. So usually I have three follow-up messages if they uh, haven't purchased the product after three I've found that it's likely they're not going to buy it. So stop wasting your money sending them messages. Um, but yeah, again, that's just, it's like you're throwing a bunch of traffic at your website from Facebook and a bunch of it's just going to ricochet and spread out. And if you want, if you want to be profitable and make things work, your, your second focus after Facebook should be capturing the stuff that's spilling out. Where does brand building or community rapport come into the strategy for you? Really, it comes down to sustainability. Um, a lot of dropshippers are so focused on today's profits that they're blinded by the fact that it could all collapse tomorrow because of how they're operating their business. And, in, and it, it, it's twofold and it blows my mind that 99% of dropshippers just totally ignore this fact. But if you improve the customer experience and you actually provide a, a brand experience and something that you would buy from and buy again, it solves so many problems. Um, I mean, you can look in the industry, I'd say 98 out of 100 dropshippers will have about a three month lifespan on average um, because of payments being held or Facebook shutting them down. And they just think that it's going to last, but it won't. It just won't. Um, not if you operate with <laughs> fulfilling through AliExpress um, using like an overload import tool. Um, it, it's just, it's not scalable and you're going to get shut down. Um, so the other thing too that i like to touch on is not only will you not get shut down and you'll have more cash available to actually scale your business. Number two is in terms of valuation, if you ever want to sell your business or to just basic business practices, um, if you increase the lifetime value of your customer, that means that you only need to run paid traffic to them once. And if they have a great experience, they'll buy from you a second time. And a lot of dropshippers are just so concerned with that front end sale. And once they have the cash from the customer, they're like, I don't care. Like whatever product they get, doesn't matter to me. Um, that sucks because that person's never going to buy from you again. But if you actually took the time to do branding, um, get like, you know, custom thank you cards, which uh, Zendrop offers, for example, and, uh, you know, actually focus on the experience that your customers are having, they're going to come back and you're going to make more money in the long run, in the long run, which is why it's called LTV, lifetime value. Um, and number two or three, if you want to actually sell your business, uh, they're going to be looking at how much of your purchases are repeat purchases. And, you know, what's the average customer lifetime and the, the more people that you have coming back without having to run paid traffic to, and the more that each customer spends with you on average, it just exponentially increases the, uh, sale price of your business, um, in, in, in the event that you want to exit. So 
for me, it's a no brainer, but a lot of drop shippers are checking their profit on refresh, like 10, 20, 30 times a day. I was guilty of it too. I was totally guilty of it too. Um, and, and so they're just so focused on today that they don't realize it could all collapse tomorrow. What I have heard over and over again through working with Zendrop and through a lot of our users is that exact fear of we are so vulnerable in so many ways because a lot of dropshippers solely rely on Facebook advertising and, um, you know, certain Chinese suppliers. So when you transferred your business over to Zendrop, um, for anyone who doesn't know, Florian was actually a Zendrop select client for some time before he brought him onto the team. How did that impact your business positively? I mean, in so many ways, so I'll just start from the beginning. Uh, we were running a product. Uh, this was September, August or September of last year. And we found a product that sold really well for us. And we started scaling it as a drop shipping product. And while we were doing that, we were looking for quotes from others. So I was actually fulfilling through Hyperskew at the time. And we started, you know, doing some price shopping, right? As dropshippers do. Okay, who's going to give me the best price uh, to fulfill these orders? And throughout all of the dropshipping platforms, CJ dropshipping, tried them, but left them. Um, you know, I tried the AliExpress thing. I even went to Alibaba and tried getting agents through there which was just a nightmare. Um, I had uh, some of them sent like US basketball jerseys to people in Germany that were supposed to get a charging cable. Uh, started getting quotes. And all of these suppliers were giving us about the same quotes. And then Zendrop gave us a quote that was almost two times as expensive. And my initial reaction was, that sucks for Zendrop. Like I'm not fulfilling through them. Well, I let them know that I was getting great quotes with all these other suppliers. And they said, well, are your suppliers actually sending the real version of this product? Because, um, there is another version of this product, but it's fake and it's just printed. It's not real stuff in it. It's just printed on the back. Uh, and I was like, I think so. So I went to Hyperskew and I asked them that question and they didn't really know the answer. So I made them send me a picture of uh, the product that they were sending and sure as shit, it was the fake one when they were, they told me that I was sending out the real one. And so I had about, I don't know, I want to say like 600, seven, 800 orders that I shipped out of the fake product telling customers that it was the real one. And I didn't know until Zendrop told me that my other supplier, all the other suppliers were just trying to give me the, what I wanted to hear basically, which is the cheapest price instead of actually doing their due diligence and finding the right product and doing, you know, quality management and stuff like that. So, um, I ended up taking a fat loss because I sent out the real version to all those customers that I had accidentally sent out the fake version to. And that was pretty much the end of my relationship them. Um, so that was a big thing for trust in terms of bringing my business to Zendrop. And most importantly, uh, it's, it's an American team. And as a select client, I mean, you get uh, concierge install, you have a dedicated rep that you can talk to and ask questions about. 
and will actually care about your business and help you try and um, improve and make things better. And I mean, I've found that the majority of the time they're going to be at the same price or lower than all these other platforms. And you're getting so much more. I mean, you know, uh, included in that is custom branded thank you cards. Again, you know, actual customer support that's helpful, that speaks English, that you can resolve issues with, um, you know, an easy platform. They also accept credit cards, which is fantastic because um, low-key obsessed with credit card points. And uh, like all these other platforms that I was using had to be a bank wire or, uh, you know, just messy. And everything was just easy and straightforward and clean with SendDrop. I felt like they actually cared about me and my business and not just the, the business that I was bringing them, if that makes sense. So um, all across the board, I mean, I've had a fantastic experience with Zendrop. Um, and again, I've, I've tried them all. I tried CJ Dropshipping. I tried Hyperskew. I used to do um, AliExpress fulfillment when I first got started through Oberlo. Um, and and just none of, none of the solutions that I found were sustainable or fit in my business. And working with Zendrop has felt like I'm not working with a supplier. It's felt like I've, it's like, it's felt like an addition to my team, like almost an internal department, if that makes sense. And less so uh, like a different business, if that makes sense. If you had this incredible experience being a Zendrop Select client and you were doing so much in revenue, what caused the change from being in drop shipping to joining a team for a startup? I've been a solopreneur for a couple of years now, most of my team has been based out of the Philippines. So when I sit down to work, it's just me sitting at my computer and just, you know, kind of going through the updates from uh, the rest of my team. And for the longest time, you know, I was living by myself. So it's just me in my house all day, not talking to anyone. And uh, once I reached out to Jared, um, and, and told him about some of my concerns with drop shipping and just direction and stuff like that. We ended up connecting and I met some more of the Zendrop team and just decided that this is, this is what I want to do. Um, this, this is, this is what's great for me. And honestly, on my first day, we had a, we had a call with all of us together and I it felt like I instantly had a family, which was just weird. Um, yeah, it was, it was just a fantastic experience. And I'm, I'm very glad that I made the shift into um, where I am now. Obviously, you know, with the extensive amount of knowledge you have in the e-commerce space, what are your predictions or, um, I guess, hopes in terms of how the dropshipping industry is going to be transforming over the near and far future? And how do you think Zendrop will be able to contribute to that change? Where I see dropshipping going. So uh, there's a lot of people saying like dropshipping is dead and all that nonsense. That's not true. Dropshipping is not going anywhere. Um, is it getting more and more difficult? Yes, absolutely. But that's how it is with any business. Um, the thing is people are still teaching the same concepts and stuff like that, that they were when I got started. And the playing field has changed drastically. And with dropshipping, it changes every couple of weeks, every month. So, uh, and again, just like any business, Amazon, Walmart, I mean, even Sears, right? Uh, 
if you don't adapt to the industry and the environment and, and the business and uh, uh, constantly try to make changes to keep up with that, you're going to go out of business like Sears, uh, Circuit City, if any of you guys remember that. Uh, these were all businesses that had a proven business model and they said, no, this works. We don't care what else happens. We know what the hell we're doing. Um, should ignore all that fluff. And then they died. Um, so it's the same thing with dropshipping, right? Is the industry is changing. There's new things like iOS 14.5 came out. Oh my God, it's going to kill Facebook ads. Dropshipping's dead. They've been saying dropshipping's dead since I started. Um, it's not going to go away. What will go away are the people that are unwilling to put in the effort and adapt, uh, which is what us humans are fantastic at and why you and I are able to have this conversation today. How do you think Zendrop is going to contribute to the change? Okay, well, honestly, basically just ties into everything I just said, which is Zendrop is adapting. Um, I can tell, I knew this before I joined the team, but I know for a fact now that I've joined the team, uh, there's just a, a commitment to growth. And, and personally, for everyone that works with Zendrop, but also for the clients. And it's the questions basically and in, 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 in the things that we're dealing with on a daily basis have been, how do we improve the customer experience? How do we expand and extend the customer lifetime of our users? Um, you know, how can we educate them for the changing environment? And just like you're doing right now with this podcast is Sendrop is trying to give people the tools to be able to adapt and to make it happen. And so uh, basically what I'm trying to say is at the end of the day, Zendrop's going to give you a fantastic fulfillment experience. And they're also actively working on, like I said, taking care of you and your business and giving you the tools to succeed. Um, and, uh, you know, just, just with the mission and the people, I know that it's it's a pretty selfless thing, but I mean, it's even aligned with financial and business incentives too, because the better that their users do, the more they fulfill through Zendrop. And um, I mean, it's, it's, it's a fantastic synergy and I'm so glad to be a part of it. Well, thank you so much for coming on today. I have thoroughly enjoyed getting to know you better, first and foremost. And second of all, I know our audience will find a lot of value in everything that you laid out today. So thank you again. If you guys are watching this on YouTube, please feel free to drop a uh, any questions you have for Florian in the comments, and we will be sure to get those answered for you. No one better to answer any dropshipping questions than a multiple seven-figure dropshipper himself. So please flood the comments with any questions you have for him. And other than that, thank you so much, guys, for listening. Florian, thank you again for joining me today, and we will see you guys next time. Sweet. Sounds good. Thanks for having me.